Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We are so grateful that we can be with you. We can enjoy your presence. We can enjoy just the reality that you're in our, in our lives. But beyond that, we also acknowledge your authority. Your authority and the authority of your word. And we, we ask you, Father, because of that, we take it very seriously. And therefore, we ask you that you will pour out your spirit at this moment and touch everything that we are, our hearts, our minds, our emotion, everything, Lord, so that we know how to respond to the truth that is contained in your word. Because it is the only thing that will change us and transform us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to uh, John chapter 16. I would like to read from uh, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, we talked about last week, the helper, the advocate, the, the uh, comforter, the, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict. Okay, I want you to notice all this. This uh, in, in, in will be our, our focus here. There are three things. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then Jesus explained concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged, or has already been judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak. Last week we talked about it takes the spirit of truth to guide us into all truth. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father, uh, all, all that the Father has is mine. And, all, and th- therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So last week, or last few weeks, we've been pretty much uh, preaching, or I've been preaching from the, this last, last moment of Jesus, where John spent four chapters, you know, of the whole gospel, which may, makes up to be nearly a quarter of his gospel. He actually spent in describing the, this last intimate moment between, between him and the disciples, Whereas when you compare with the other gospel, they spend only half a chapter. But somehow for John, who is the beloved disciple, it was like this is probably probably uh, important for him to really highlight the, the, the whole thing in the whole quarter of his entire gospel. So in this moment, Jesus was giving 
trying to comfort the disciples after declaring somebody's going to betray him and somebody's going to deny him. So he's comforting them not only to, to promise them concerning the future, the ultimate of what the theological term says, the eschatological hope, but also he tries to get them to focus on the great things that's, that's about to happen or about to take place immediately after his resurrection, which is, and he, in chapter 14, he said, greater things than this you will do because I go to the Father. And then we studied the reason he, he made that declaration because he said, because somebody else is coming. And the writer John used this, this uh, term para, in Greek, it's called parakletos, which is, can be interpreted as advocate, helper, comforter, teacher, guide, counselor. It describes Jesus, really. So what he, Jesus is tra- saying is that somebody else is about to come who is compatible and who is equal to me. He'll be just as good. And the exciting thing Jesus said is that because of him, you're going to do amazing things, even more than what you see I, I, I've been doing because of this person called the Holy Spirit. And of course, we, we talked about it last week. His function is to uh, comfort, to teach them, to partner with us in testifying about Jesus and to guide all of us into all truth and, and, and also to reveal the truth to us. And one of the things that I want to discuss this, this morning that I didn't cover last week is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And uh, it's, before I say anything, just, just think, just meditate on this. Because Jesus promised that he will be with you and in you forever. Wow. Just think, the creator of the whole of the universe had decided to make our hearts his dwelling place. I mean, that is a mind-boggling truth. The creator of the universe decided and made a choice to make your heart, my heart, as his dwelling place. He does a lot of things, but this, this part, my title this morning is Holy Spirit as the Convictor. Can, I don't know the, the thing of, of the word, but he brings conviction. He brings conviction. And I think I need to, uh, to, uh, to focus on this. It is very important. Number one, it says in verse 10, he will bring... He will convict the world concerning righteousness. Righteousness, the right word for the, the, in the right context or the biblical understanding of righteousness means it's in the legal term. It's right standing with God. So if you want to, every time you read righteousness in the New Testament language, it's right standing with God. Early in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus talked about this righteousness. When in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the biggest sermons of Jesus, covered by, by Matthew, 
beginning with, with, the, with the Beatitudes, when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the kind of, Jesus started to introduce a kind of righteousness. And in, in that teaching, it's interesting because Jesus didn't, didn't uh, celebrate the righteous, but he celebrated those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What kind of righteousness? And Jesus, in that same sermon, in, uh, in that same sermon, in verse, verse 20, Jesus described the kind of righteousness, but it is not. He said, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Like, you got to be kidding me? Those guys follow the law to the dot, like to the letter. They memorize the Old Testament. Jesus said, if your righteousness does not exceed that kind of righteousness, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And among those Pharisees, there's a young Pharisee called Paul, the Apostle Paul, where after meeting Jesus, this is what he wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. He said, as, you know, Philippians chapter 3, but I'm going to read from verse 6. As to zeal, I'm a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, I am blameless. <laughs> this is what Paul said. A Pharisee, after meeting Jesus. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them as rubbish, garbage, that I may gain, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. Isn't that great? but righteousness that, righteousness that comes from God, from Christ. And then he's, in his theological, if I can say, thesis in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, he said, this, this kind of righteousness, Romans 3, verse 21, this kind of righteousness has come apart from the works of the law. It's a righteousness by faith. That's the good news. So that's the kind of righteousness Jesus is talking about. Righteousness by faith. In verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And here's the thing. Doesn't matter what we do, all those things mean nothing. It's our faith in Jesus. That's why... As we read the, the Gospel of John from chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, the key word Jesus says, you believe in God, just believe in me. You believe in God, just believe in me. <laughs> Thomas said, we don't know the way. I am the way. Believe in me. Philip said, we don't know the Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Just believe in me. And then concerning judgment, he said, because the ruler of this world is judged. Well, the Bible says that the reason the Son of God came is to destroy the works of the devil. It's done. And he died on the cross. Everything is, of anything that's evil has been destroyed by him. But what about sin? 
What about sin? He said, it's interesting, this idea, Jesus said, well, just believe in me. He said, he's going to convict the world of sin. Why? Because they do not believe in me. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? But it's the work of the Holy Spirit to, to convict the world. And guess what? The first time in the history of the world God poured out his spirit, we read it in the book of Acts chapter 2. Bang! Peter preached a sermon. There's been many sermons maybe before that, but for the first time people, Peter preached a sermon and at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the first thing that happened in people's heart was, what must we do to be saved? It's like the conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon many people, 3,000 on that day. The conviction of the Holy Spirit came. They turned to Jesus, believing in Jesus. So it is about believing in Jesus. Now, I had a conversation. I can't remember who it was. Somebody last week. This idea of Jesus is the only way Jesus, you know, we have to believe in him. What about the people, like, they've never heard the gospel. People like the Aztecs and the, the people in the Amazon and, and, you know, all other people that never heard the gospel. It's a good question. And, it, and it's, 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 it's a difficult one, but it's a good one. I can't say my opinion, but I can only say what the Bible says. The only thing in Scripture that I, I can find is that when Jesus healed this man born blind and he came to Jesus, and then because Jesus disappeared after healing the man and then later on he came and then Jesus said, no, so you're healed now. And then Jesus asked him, just believe in the Son of Man. Once again, just believe. And then the man asked, who is this son of man that I may believe? And Jesus said, I'm the one speaking to you, is that son of man. And it says that the guy believed. And then, of course, the Pharisees, once again, weren't happy about it. So, uh, and then Jesus said in, in John chapter 9, verse 39, he said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Listen to this. And verse 40. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Are you referring that we are blind? Now listen to what Jesus said in verse 41. Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say you see your guilt remains. And in John 15, verse 22 and 24, John 15, verse 22 and 24, this is what Jesus said. If I had not come and spoken to them concerning the Pharisees, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse of their sin. If I had not done among them the works that I do, that, that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. 
But now they have sinned and hated both me and my father. So their guilt remains with them. So my thing is, yes, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Absolutely. Everybody's been forgiven. And according to that scripture that we just read, if they've never heard of Jesus, like Jesus said, if you've never heard, you would, you, you would, have not, you would not be guilty of that. But because you have heard and choose not to believe, you're guilty. Isn't that crazy? So that's the answer, I think, I believe. Jesus died for them. They've never heard the gospel. They're not guilty. But when they hear the gospel, especially after sermon after sermon and receive the blessing from the Lord, whether it's healing or whatever, and decide not to believe, then they're guilty. Now here's another point that I want to, I want to uh, point out. There's been a, a, a doctrine that interprets that scripture that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin, not Christians. It's, it's, it's been, yeah, I've heard this teaching and, and actually... Especially you know, when we were ministering in Indonesia, it divides churches. That the Holy Spirit's job is to convert, to convict the world of sin, not Christians. So in other words, Christians don't need conviction of the Holy Spirit. Wow. What do you do with that? Let's just look at, look at this word called conviction or to convict. In Greek, it means to convict, to refute something that is wrong, to rebuke, to reprove, to convict. It's, uh, it's a, it's, it has a noun, and in it, the noun is elegmos, and in uh, the verb of it is elegho. Like, for example, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scriptures is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, that's to convict, to reproof, for correction and for training. And of course, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the conviction, is the assurance. So it were, it's got two meanings. But let's look at the verb. Hebrews chapter 12, you can write this down. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. Have you completely, completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, when he elecho you, when he rebukes you, when he convicts you. The writer of the book of Hebrews was not talking to the world, he was talking to the Christians. He said, like a father, discipline his children. And in Revelation, about four references at least, when, when the, the, the revelation of Jesus, Jesus appeared and gave word to, to John, he said, speak to all these churches. And, and about four of them, I'm going to read one of them. He said, 
Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. I rebuke as in I convict. He's talking about the church here. Not to the world. I want to say this. Understanding that the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict sin. So if there's no conviction in our heart, it's a good sign there's absence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. I'll say it again. If there's no sense of conviction in our hearts, it's a good sign there's no activity. Maybe there isn't at all activity of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't convict sins or doesn't convict Christians is the same thing as saying Christians don't need to repent. (laughs) And yet I believe repentance is the mark of Christianity. It's it's, It's a spirit of humility. Acknowledging, admitting that you've blown it. Come on, guys. Whether you're a cell leader, a pastor, whatever, you know, you've blown it. Whether you're a husband, you've blown it, you need to admit it. If you don't admit it, I doubt that you're really hearing the Holy Spirit. I've seen Christians repeating the same stupid mistake over and over and over and over again. You know what? Because they never repent. Whatever we fail to repent, we will re-offend. That's the way it is. That's why what happened in many churches. I'm not going to say what the nomination, but you know, Things happen in underneath because nobody holds anyone accountable for anything. I'm talking about hierarchy of the church. Sexual abuse, child abuse, like you know, because nobody holds anybody accountable because people have the position, have the, the form of godliness, but no power whatsoever, like Paul said. Because there's no conviction of the Holy Spirit. When God asked the church to repent, it was in the book of Revelation. He said, repent, repent, about four times. I don't care whether we are Pentecostals. We can pride ourselves being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues. We fail to repent. Our Christianity means nothing. We fail to admit you know, some of the, here's the thing, I'm a, I was born again, I was raised up in a Dutch Reformed church, born again into a Pentecostal church, and been trained theologically by the Anglicans. Now I'm confused. No, 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 that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I saw people because I was invited to talk about, about the, uh, you know, by, by Ridley Bible College, about the future of Ridley Bible College. As a pastor, they invited me. And they asked me, 
you know, because they've got this online course and all those things. I said, whatever you do, as good as online technology and all those things. But like I said, let me say this. I went to, to really Bible college. I was impacted by individuals. It wasn't just a teaching, but people like Peter Adam and, and all these guys just sitting at a table talking to them. See someone who's 70, whatever, at that point, and the faith and the fire of God. Now, he doesn't speak in tongue, but you know, the character of God that's so developed in him, I thought, that impacted me. So my conclusion is this. Just because you speak in tongues, you feel with the Holy Spirit and all those things, it means nothing. Because the Holy Spirit is there, it is meant to lead us. Many Christians are spirit-led and are spirit-filled, but not necessarily spirit-led. Many of us, spirit-filled, but not spirit-led. So what do we do with the Holy Spirit? What do we do? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. He said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, with whom you were sealed for the day of the ultimate redemption. How do you do that? Read, continue to read verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. Everybody says slander? Okay. Along with every form of malice. You know, we, we, we focus on a lot of other sins, but actually, Paul said, when you, you grieve the Holy Spirit by actually doing all this stuff, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, <laughs> or gossiping. You know, the book of Proverbs said, there are seven things that God hates, uh, six things that God hates, and the seventh even more. And he listed all these different sins, you know, the, like killing the innocent, innocent life and all those things. And then, in other words, the seventh one is the one that he hated more. Guess what, what it is? The one who brings division amongst brothers. Wow. That's crazy. As a matter of fact, Paul is very, you know, this is the thing. Sometimes in, 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 in a Pentecostal church, and people use this, this, this term, I sense God is doing something. And then, and then they, they, they sort of use discernment and start talking about stuff, about their brothers, their sisters, their whatever, thinking that it, it is the Holy Spirit. Like I said, the sign of uh, the Holy Spirit using you is, is I, I measure by how much service you provide for the church, for the people, not just the church, but people around you. Then tell me what the Holy Spirit says. 
Absolutely. If all you do is just gossiping, I want to say this, I'm, 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 I'm trying to make a point. We are a full gospel church, not full gossip church. No, I'm, I'm serious. And Paul is very clear. He said, for people who bring division in the church, he said, warn them once and twice. After that, you know what Paul said? Have nothing to do with them. Wow. It's the, this idea that the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us. It's like we can do whatever we want you know, because we are saved by grace, you know. But the Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Every time you tear your brother down or you, you do something to your children or to your wife, you know, just, if, just okay, Holy Spirit, what, where am I in this thing? It begins with, with, with the home. Like, you know, I do that with my wife. I'm probably, let me just be honest with you. I'm a pride and proud Ambonese. From Indonesia, the Ambonese are very prideful. I had that. I still have that. And the way I, the way I deal with that is I repent every time <laughs> and try to do better. And guess what? It's not enough to repent to God. Repent to people close to you. In this case, my wife. Yeah. Marriage brings the best out of you. If you're humble. I mean it. It brings the best out of you. You know what the Bible says? The truth will set you free. How many of you believe in that? Raise your hand if you believe that the truth will set you free. Many of us, the problem is not the truth. How the truth is packaged. In 99 out of 99, <laughs> the truth is packaged in a person closest to you. And because there's familiarity, you tend to sort of ignore the truth. So every time I get defensive, God said, Bram, you just had a moment, an opportunity to be free. If only you listen to the truth. You just don't like the package. How stupid. It's kind of like, it's almost like the Holy Spirit said, how stupid can you be and still breathe? (laughs) I feel like sometimes the Holy Spirit do that to me. (laughs) Yeah. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Just every tug in your heart. Like I shared with you that that brother, Muslim guy. He, and, and when, when, we, when we talk to people, when I talk to Calvin about certain things, you trust the, that tug of the Holy Spirit and you actually appeal to that part of the Holy Spirit that's speaking to your conscience. So when that, that Muslim guy came to me three weeks ago, he was sitting here, he said, when you prayed, I felt the peace in me. So guess what? I don't talk doctrinal thing. I just appeal to that peace. I said, you know what? That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's what I did. I said, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Do you want me to pray for you? Yes. He gave his heart to the Lord. 
he was crying. It really, but we have, we have to take ownership of the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. It will save us many heartaches, whether it's friendship, relationship, husbands and wives. Just say, Holy Spirit, really, I, I will say, whenever Di and I, you know, Di will say something and I get defensive, I say, Lord, I'm sorry. It's just, and Di said, I'm sorry, I'm too intense. I said, no, no, I'm the jerk, not you. <laughs> Can I have the band, please? The Holy Spirit, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit also as fire. Fire, what fire does, it purifies. The reason God gives us the Holy Spirit is to purify us. But we have to be totally led by the Holy Spirit. We have to. Before I close the meeting, I want to give an opportunity out. I don't know where you are. Some of you are at at the moment. As I was preaching, maybe something happened in your heart. I don't know. There's something tugging in your heart. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It could mean that the Holy Spirit said to you, you need to know this Jesus. You know what? While the Holy Spirit is speaking, that is a privilege that he actually wants to speak to you. At the point of hearing about Jesus, make the right choice. Especially when the Holy Spirit is speaking. Maybe the Holy Spirit says, you need Jesus. And you, if you're that person, you say, Brahma, I don't know Jesus. I want you to just come to the front. We're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for many people this morning. I'm going to, we're going to open the altar. You can just come on to this point. Some of you, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, as I was preaching, you feel a tug from the Holy Spirit. Just come. He's inviting you. He's tugging you. Come on. You need Jesus. You know, often people say, oh, you know, that man that was crucified next to Jesus, the last moment he received Jesus. So in other words, you know, whatever in the last moment I can receive Jesus. That was the first time he was in prison all his life. That was the first time he met Jesus. Never had an opportunity before. That moment, he took that opportunity. Jesus, if you're going to your kingdom, don't don't forget me. Remember me. That was the first time, first opportunity. I want to say this. Every time you delay, it's like, uh, not today. You know what you're doing? You're training yourself to be hardened to the gospel. You train your heart to be hardened 
So I want to invite you to respond. I'm talking about not just salvation. If the Holy Spirit is speaking something else, maybe you think, you know, I'm a gossiper or I'm a whatever. You know, like I don't want to just make one, I just anything. I don't treat my, my, my children well. I don't treat my husband well. I don't treat my wife well or something like that or whatever. If the Holy Spirit is saying, saying something to you, come to the front. We want to pray for you. Oh, I've got Diane here. I've got Calvin here. I've got the leaders here. We want to pray for you because I can sense the presence of God right here. Don't miss this opportunity. Come. As the band play, just come. Whatever it is that you feel the Holy Spirit is saying to you, just come.